So you think we switch it up this week? No beer this week? Maybe you bring the iced tea. I bring the liquor. I don't know, man. I, I'm not really not an iced tea guy. You know me. Really? You know me. I like to party. Uh, I like to a wild card of sorts. Wild turkey of sorts. Ooh, a little bit of bourbon. Yeah, yeah. I like myself a little bit of John Daly. Get a little iced tea, a little lemonade, a little vodka on it. I was it. just no about big to deal. say, yeah. Mix it up a little bit, you know. You don't know what we're going to bring. What? No you one know, knows what we're going to You know bring. we're bringing a party. We are the party, some might say. We were certainly at the party last year. Weren't Look, we? we bring the party. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we bring the party. And we, of course, are talking about, Greg, the Cincinnati Bearcats going to Hogtown. Week one is here. Week one is here. Week zero, finally gone. It's called week zero because there are zero Ohio teams playing last week. None. So we're finally off to week one. Um, Arkansas coach Sam Pittman on party with Cincinnati. Some guys bring iced tea. Some guys bring liquor. I don't know if that means he's overlooking them or underlooking them or just confused at how football works, but... Is is Evan is that a slight or is that not a slight? Is Ben Bryant iced tea and Evan Prater liquor? I hardly know her either to begin with, Sam For goodness sake. Definitely drinking beer here on 30 Rack of Sports. Getting you ready for week one of the college football season, of course, highlighted by some big games for the state of Ohio. Uh, Arkansas welcoming Cincinnati. Uh, top 25 matchup. And then the top five matchup in the nightcap. Notre Dame. Big game. Heading to Ohio State in a, in a big game that has a pretty big spread. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I, we'll, you know, we'll get into it. But uh, that that's a big shocker to me, that spread there. Yeah. That Ohio is, State at home, I guess. But that is that is quite... Say quite the shocker at this point. Uh, we are 30 Rack of Sports, Ohio Sports and Beer Podcast. We're back and ready for football season after a few, let's, we'll say complications. Yeah, yeah, let's just... Co- co- yeah. Co- Shen- Covocations. Yeah, shenanigans. I don't know. I was dying. It was fun. <laughs> um, Zach, not here this week. Uh, car troubles, believe it or not. Yeah, he, uh, you know, we we thought about having uh, like a a Zoom thing or or even just like a tube for him to transport himself because he's not far from here. He could, yeah. I don't know, a wagon. Ooh, I don't know. No Make one cir- no one circles the wagons as in the thirty rack round table here, like Zach. That's for sure. I I think we should like we should have like zoomed him in with him riding a tricycle on the way over. Oh, yeah. I think that would have been good. Yeah. He's I get, get a good, like, workout for him. Little tight Zach. Uh, but Josh is here, our producer. I'm here. Uh, Greg, we're ready to rock with you. Get you prepped for week one um, of the college football season. We have a whole lot to cover. Uh, a big game over the weekend. Go Not ahead. in football, but in football. Go ahead. Just go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Some, we'll just say it was a wild one. We'll say that. There's a whole lot to talk about there. Yeah, I'll tell you this. And unfortunately, uh, you had you had prior wedding engagements. Uh, we were all, you know, watching the game uh, at my bachelor party down in Lake Cumberland this weekend. And that goal happened. I'm not sure if I remember anything the rest of the night. And I kind of made a rule. Just, we're not talking about it. Not talking about it. I'm here now, and I'll talk about it now. But my goodness. 
Oh, See that so would frust- so frustrating. That would have been a lot better. It pro- it might have come to to blows. And and I want to and I want to talk about I want to talk about the game. I want to talk about the game and the play. To be clear, uh, I, there's a whole lot more to talk about. There's more to talk about. There's a but, whole lot yeah. more to talk about. We'll talk about. I mean, we're a sports and beer podcast, we so sure we'll get are. to some of that too. Uh, we have. A real fun beer from uh, a brewery that we've had before. Uh, a little bit of a different beer. I- I'm very interested to try it. And then also, we'll probably pick up some notes uh, next week. We'll definitely be our big, uh, you know, reviewing week one, but getting you ready for week one of the NFL season. Uh, cuts will be coming up basically as you hear this show. Oh, yeah. So, you know, um, Josh and I will... will be waiting anxiously for our teams. Uh, still, some unknowns on both sides, especially like what the hell are the Browns doing? Just kind of in general, but that's kind of been a thing for the last, uh, you know, common, twenty-three common years. Theme. So, um, we'll get to that a whole lot more. I don't think a whole lot to talk about in baseball right now, unfortunately, especially not from a red side. Tough weekend for the guards in Seattle. So uh, we'll stick to the we'll stick to the good or at least interesting stuff. Josh, our beer of the week comes from uh, the east side of Cincinnati, uh, right off 50 near Columbia, Tusculum. Uh, it is Streetside Brewery, which I believe we've, we've had on a couple times. Uh, this beer, uh, a Gosa with Plum uh, named Gosa Face Killer. If you are, uh, for all the Wu-Tang fans out there, everyone knows Wu-Tang is for the kids. So uh, we've and, got and a... Forever. We've got a 4%, uh, very low IBU, doesn't even have it listed, but low IBU, 4% ABV, Gosa with Plum. It's got a, uh, it's got a red tint to it. Like, I don't even know. Like, I've had like a, I don't know, like a boysenberry soda or something like that. It's got like that weird red kind of almost like raspberry, like raspberry lemonade is almost what it looks like. Yeah, in the front. yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm not a big plum guy, and so I was... I was skeptical if I would like this or not. It's actually really good. And, uh, you know, you were you were predicting it would be uh, much on the lighter side, very approachable, very drinkable. And, yeah, it, it wasn't what I was expecting, a very kind of soury punch. Yeah, not I mean, so much. You, get the, you do get a little bit of the gosa, and I think sometimes you get the interchange. Of, you know, people kind of interchange the gosas and the sours. And the gosas do have that slight sour bite. But they're more of a fruit beer that kind of has some sour that comes out of it more than your heavy sours. And you do get a little bit of sour. Uh, you get the tart flavor. And then it definitely does finish up with almost that, like, uh, kind of that lemon-lime pop uh, kind of flavor at the end there. So, it's I mean, it's very light. It's definitely, uh, you know, we've had some, some sours that, you know, had some tequila in it that kind of punched you in the face. This one is... Uh, very very light this is one that like even if you're out in the sun like it's almost more refreshing than it is is a beer yeah and i guess i guess i should preface that we have the past few ghosts we've had on the show have been uh on the extreme level uh, other end of the spectrum here with this one and yeah we'll get to the description more in the reciting of the can later on the show but uh also notes of the the light grape candy flavor i think that's a that sweetness that really balances it out there and yeah, Zach was here, man. 
Zach would hit you with the classic, uh, great throw a couple of these boys back on the porch uh, on a hot summer afternoon. Uh, great, great porch drinking beer right there. Look, I think this would be a perfect Labor Day beer because one oh, yeah. of those things, uh, you know, sit, you get your 16 ounce cans, but it's it's one of those where sometimes you have those heavy fruit beers and you're like, one, they're, you know, some of the beer too heavy, can only have a couple out in the sun, kind of too sour, it kind of almost, you know, uh, you kind of almost lose taste because of the sour after this. This doesn't have any of it. I mean, it's got a nice little sour kick. It's flavorful, but it finishes very light and has that kind of, like I said, lemon lime kind of finish to it. Um, you know, definitely not strong. A little bit more on the... Yeah. I wouldn't no. even say watered down, but just a light finish kind of uh, look to it. So once again, if you're not someone trying to go overboard, you know, especially at 4%, you can you can take these babies down and and not feel too bad about it. So uh, shout out to to Streetside Brit. They have some very interesting uh, beers coming back. I mean, I was I was between a couple of them. Yeah, we've had uh this is a uh, Streetside. We had their Subra. Subra all the way back on uh, long ago on episode six, I think. Uh, but yeah, that was an excellent IPA. They've also, if you've ever been to their tap room, chill spot, great place to watch a football game. Uh, done a few NFL Sundays there. Great staff as well. They've got a couple. They usually have some slushes on too. Yeah, they have a. Uh, they actually have a two cool volume four uh, pina colada slushy sour. Uh, they have a fuck it, we'll do it lime key lime pie gosa. Um, they have a. They have a whole lot of uh, like sours and what they have. I, I was the other one I was looking at was uh, the two other ones I was looking for was came through dripping which was a berries and cream milkshake ipa which i was considering and then uh he had a what is it it was uh it was it had like bert and ernie almost on the front like a bert hood and bert, bert and oh ernie yeah front. i think i've seen that one before it's called uh what is it yeah. hazy day in the hood hazy day in the hood yeah great names and great cans again we'll get to the can later but uh it's also a good place if you're wanting to get some more experimental beers. If you're looking to do like a, you want to try a wacky flight uh, on your on your US 50 beer trip or whatever, uh, it's a great place to stop in and get some of those more uh, interesting sours and in, uh, what some might call dessert beers. A lot of milkshakes. Uh, they had like a donut beer. I've yep. done a, like some something with pancakes and maple syrup before. They do a lot of wackies, but but great stuff there. Yeah, I mean, there is the Super Punch that has, like, almost like the, uh, I don't know, the superhero that reminds me of, like, a cereal box superhero kind of on it. So, just a whole lot of uh, interesting beer. Uh, great can art. We'll get into ours in a little bit. Um, like you said, just a, a good location, uh, good food. And then all the beers that I've had, you know, have been really good, but I... Very, very few, like you said, are, are the normal kind. They're your, yeah. you know, your milkshake. They do have a good amount of IPA. So if you're, you know, if you're Zach and, and you want just your IPA or your, uh, you know, your New England IPAs, there are a couple of those. But there's also, you know, your uh, Key Lime Pine Gosas, your Imperial Pastry Stouts with Vanilla. Yeah. Your, it's uh, good. I mean, they're all, they're all great, you know, but so. it'll definitely be different stuff that you don't, uh, don't normally see. Yeah, so thank you to uh, Streetside Brewing and their Gosa Face Killer, Gosa with Plum. 
uh, the second round of the Hell is Real Derby, this time at TQL Stadium in Cincinnati. Um, unlike the first game that they played, you know, where Columbus uh, seemed to really have the energy right away, uh, you know, got that early goal by Chucho, kind of held control most of the way, got that second goal and kind of wrapped it up. Uh, on this game, you know, I, I was at a wedding, so I, I got glimpsed in pieces, but FC Cincinnati really seemed to have the energy from the beginning, you know, passing it around, uh, holding possession, kind of keeping Columbus at bay. Uh, you know, it all turned into a big goal by Brandon Vasquez, 36 minute, uh, gets behind the defense and scores. So at halftime, it is one to nothing Cincinnati. And nothing interesting is going to happen for the rest of the game, right, Josh? No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, 74th minute. Um, ball bounces out. Uh, ball fed into the box. Bounces out to Chucho Hernandez. Uh, he, from right around the top of the box, I think it was just outside the box, uh, flips a ball into the zone. Uh, and it finds the head of uh, Derek Etienne. Uh, Etienne nods at home to tie up the game. A little bit of some questions here. Um, I've seen about 14 different views. Uh, There's a Columbus view that shows him very onside. There's a Cincinnati view that shows him very offside. Um, I think the one thing that I can say is VAR said there wasn't enough information to overturn it, but I think the one thing that I can really look at when you see the anger from the Cincinnati side and the whatever from the Columbus side is that we have the technology to like put sensors in, in people, you know, like in jerseys and stuff like that. Like, I don't understand why it's some shit show that you can't get a actual view down the line. Like tennis has it figured out. Like even the NFL, you can get views mostly down the line. Like you should be able to tell maybe a camera, even on the linesman, like you should be able to tell whether or not a guy's offside. And obviously sometimes it's like a couple inches, but it's like the two views that you saw were like almost from midfield where it obviously looks like he's offside. And then one from like behind the goal where it looks like he's onside. And I'm just, I'm almost flabbergasted because one, both sides think they're right, which is obvious, but two, the fact that you don't have a better angle is just ridiculous. Yeah. And, and, and look, there's, I'm not going to say that's why they lost, lost the game. Um, and we can get to that in a minute. Uh, and you can debate all you want. Um, and I don't condone throwing things onto the field ever, um, or ever at players or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, great catch, by the way. Miller Lite should use that in some ads or something. But uh, I, I think if you can't simply agree that it, it needed to be looked at and that that whole process needs to be better, I, I think you need to dig deep inside yourself here. I mean, let's think back. I know you watched some games of the USFL, you know, and they had the luxury of playing all their regular season games at the same stadium and same yep. field and everything. Yep. So it's easier to grid the field and yep. whatnot, but they could measure the ball uh, distance to, to down and whatever. And they basically could, you know, go into the review, look at that technology and give you, they had it down to like a cu- couple decimals of yeah. how far you could be off and everything. And now that's an extreme example, but, but you say, even look, you even look at the, the premier league and I, exactly, I, I think exactly. You know, 
it's almost the other extreme where it's almost kind of ridiculous where you see guys sometimes that are like caught offside by like legit their shirt is flapping up or something right and they call them offside but it's like but there's least, a definitive line yeah there's least, a defined line that they use yeah at least there's like an angle and a line and like enough i don't know if it's camera work or exactly to see who is onside and who is offside when the best looks are so different because obviously neither of them are good looks that's really a big issue and it's not like i mean it's not like the mls is some you know small rinky dink league anymore like they that's, have 26 you know they have 26 teams or whatever it is right now they have quite a bit of money you're paying you know some guys are making upwards of oh, yeah. 10 million dollars a year you should be able to have the cameras especially let at, alone what they rake in for franchise fees yeah especially <laughs> at and this isn't an fc cincinnati or, or a columbus but especially at state-of-the-art facilities like a brand new stadium. Right. And that's what like it's not like it's not like, you know, I mean, some of the college stadiums where things are tough, like where you play at Washington and their stadiums so old that like the camera angles weird and yeah, everything. Yeah. It's like all these stadiums are new. Like yeah, you like should Nip- be able to Nipper, have it. We things. had some issues with that and everything. Yeah. But like at this point and this. Yeah, it's not. Obviously, I'm frustrated because it's been a reoccurring theme for FC Cincinnati. But I can look at the play and also like, you know, place fair judgment there as well uh but fc cincinnati columbus crew and that aside as a league thing especially with the growth and momentum you have right now making a you know sketchy deal tv deal for next year and everything which we'll see how that goes um but when you you know are up against and and this is apples to oranges some might say but yeah look at a premier league when you watch an offsides review they define a line and then give you that replay with the line there. And yeah, sometimes it's bullshit. The guy's shoulder or his sleeve is over the line, but there is a definitive line. Yeah. There's no gray area there. You can debate whether the line was correct or not, but it's there and you see it. End of story. Yep. So after that play, um, which I actually thought because I had missed a lot of the second half due to uh, some of the stuff at the wedding. I thought that goal was actually a different goal because of how the outrage and like what happened. Right. But uh, three minutes later, um, FC Cincinnati, I believe it was off a, a cross, gets it in. Uh, ball bounces around a little bit. Vasquez uh, gets it out. Miazga hits it. I think it, t- it deflects off someone. Yeah, it went off. I believe one of the Columbus's center backs there. I'm not sure who was in yeah. at that time. Yeah, I I think it might have been I, I think it might have been Mensa, but I'm not sure. And you know, Room really has no chance. It goes in almost. I mean, you know, 74th minute Etienne scores, 77th minute Miazga scores. So you're kind of you know right away. I mean, I following it on Twitter it was like, hey, we scored a goal, goal to Cincinnati. I was like, oh my gosh. So then. Uh, end of the game, uh, several minutes left on the clock. And it's, you know, it's again, one of those, I think things that people don't really like to see in soccer. It's almost kind of the, you know, trying to run the clock out, but it's, you kind of put everybody back on defense, try to clear it out to the point where you're trying to kind of stay on your back foot and defend for so long. And especially when, I mean, you know, six, seven minutes being added on at the end there, you're trying to sit back there for 15 or so minutes finally in the 90 in the six minute of extra time so the 96 minute uh ball is fed in 
uh, knocked out, I believe it was by Miazga, but it just happens to go to Steven Moreira, who hits it from the top of the box, and it's just, you know, it's a great shot. It's a pure strike. Uh, nothing anyone could do about it, and it kind of ends the game in a 2-2 draw. Uh, you know, really tough way for FC Cincinnati. They've had a few games like that. So, I mean, Columbus is out of a couple, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, where it kind of falls uh, apart. After the game, um, Caleb Porter has been known to, I would say, egg on FC Cincinnati fans a little bit. Uh, so is shushing them again like he did last year when they came back to tie it. Uh, some FC Cincinnati fans uh, throw beers, uh, throw a couple. Well, do I don't know if we really consider them beers. The Miller Lights were freshmen at him. Uh and uh, I believe there was an F-bomb drop. I think it was like quit fucking throwing things or something yeah. like that. But uh, FC Cincinnati fans really hate Caleb Porter. Uh, Columbus fans are obviously not super happy about Cincinnati fans throwing things at the coach and in a situation where there are several Columbus players right around him. So overall, uh, a tense night. I mean, a rivalry night, but definitely not the way you'd like to end it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely a rivalry night. Definitely another chapter in Hell is Real. Uh, and who knows? Maybe maybe not the last chapter this season. Who knows? Who I knows? mean, yeah. Uh, you know, there's that's the thing, is that Columbus is sitting one point up, uh, just hanging in there inside the playoff table. Uh, Cincinnati one point off Columbus just and, outside the, and Columbus has the uh, has a game in hand as the as yes, the kids like yes. to say so there's a lot of potential points still out there in the next seven games but there's a lot of teams I would say only DC United is eliminated theoretically I don't think anyone mathematically is yet but theoretically yeah I everyone mean, else is still right there and you know Columbus could end up I don't think anyone's getting above you know maybe the three seed here yeah, um, top I, I, three are probably, I think, locked in in some fashion. I but. would say probably top. I mean, Philadelphia's run away with it. Montreal's at 49, and then you have the two New York teams at 45 and 44. But then you have, you know, between 39 and 32, there are about seven teams, and then Chicago's at 30. And so it really is only DC. You know, Chicago gets a couple wins at the end of the season. So right now, you know, I mean, Columbus. They've played, they're the only team that hasn't played 27 games yet. A few teams played 28. They get a win because of their goal differential, because they just have so many draws, so many draws. Them and Cincinnati are two of the only three teams with double digit draws. So many draws on both sides. Yeah. Um, they would jump up into the five seed. So, yeah. So it, it could be a lot of movement, small tangent there back to the game. I think, the problem that you beyond the officiating when you actually get down to the play here with FC Cincinnati and why they keep blowing these leads is I think you get uh, it's just letting the guard down and especially the the shifts made in the second half uh, that Pat Noonan made in the second half for FC Cincinnati. I believe they were around the 45 percentage mark possession wise at halftime barely finished above 30. I mean, that's almost, I would say, from the beginning, a couple minutes into the second half to the end of the game, that's almost a 10% swing in possession for Cincinnati it, yeah, to and they sit were, back and pull back They like were that. closer to 50 in the first half right. and fell to 45 early. And then, I mean, the last 
half of That's you know the saying. last 20 minutes was probably there. 90 to 10 in a rivalry game at home any game at home for that matter you should never have that big of a swing in possession and fc cincinnati right now just does not have that that's not their game at all to sit back and play like that and i think when you get into that system for so long at least when those guys get into that system for so long the orange and blue kind of get out of their I don't want to, I guess, fundamentals, really, because you start seeing just, I guess a better way to put it would be uh, not clearing the ball with purpose because you see a lot of like, let's just get it out of there, a lot of stabs, and that's how you end up with clearances that aren't clearances that are more free balls into the middle, and I think that's how you get some of those chances that Columbus had. And you almost think about it, I mean, it's like, you know, being on a power play, you know, in hockey, being on a power play or being like empty net at the end, at the end, you know, when you're under stress for that long, when you get tired, so you don't really have a chance to kind of, you know, especially if you're a defender, sometimes possession changes, you can kind of get your win back. So you're getting more and more tired. And two, when you play not to lose, like, it's just really tough. Yeah, but, But it's really tough. You know, when you're, I mean, heck, even try to be a golfer. If you're like, Hey, just don't double bogey this hole and I'll break a hundred or whatever. You're going to be really close to it. You know, basketball trying to run the clock out. You see that so many times and it's just in a sports, you saw it on sports setting. (laughs) Yeah. When you try to just kind of run out the clock, you get tired, you're forced into mistakes. And when you get so many chances, there's going to be a couple, there's going to be a couple chances and there's going to be a couple mistakes. And, you know, you see a lot of these teams that, that play pretty well. And, you know, uh, not that Columbus has done this very well, but some of the better teams like Philadelphia and whatnot, and in the Premier League, you'll see there'll still be a still couple of counter chances. They'll get the ball down the floor, maybe right. get a corner or maybe even get a chance for another goal. You know, that's how Columbus got their second goal in the last game. If you don't try to play any sort of counterattacking and just kind of try to hold on, that's one that's tough to do and two it's honestly for a, a club that's becoming as talented as FC Cincinnati it's something they should not be doing you know it's one of those no. things that when you're a smaller team playing a bigger team you should be doing you know uh DC United if they were up on Philadelphia maybe they would do that at the end because they're trying right. to get any sort of points but Cincinnati in a game against a big rival where three points is huge. And not just, you know, to keep Columbus out and them in, but just in general to keep them, you know, back in the playoff, back in the playoff spaces, you have to push more to win than to lose because, I mean, you know, the difference between a win and a draw is two points. And right now that's the difference between being out of the playoffs. It's a difference basically the whole way down the table. Yeah, it's uh, a difference between being... In, you know, sixth or eighth place. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll get to our reciting in the can here in a second to wrap this up, though. But uh, we got about seven games left, eight for Columbus, I believe. And I just think going forward for both teams, look at the acquisitions they've made this year and look how creatively impressive their offensive uh, offensive attack has been at some times. I mean, you've seen leaps and bounds from the attacking third from FC Cincinnati this year. You added Cucho Hernandez into the mix uh, in Columbus. Play your game. 
you know, beat down the door. Columbus kind of did that, and FC Cincinnati allowed it in the second half, just a bombardment of the front door. That's the game. Go, don't abandon that, you know, attack. Sure, fall back, but like you said, you got to... You cannot just abandon your game for the I, sake of holding on to one point. You gotta be playing for all three. And I think you, you gotta play ninety minutes. I mean, you've seen yep. I've seen Columbus a couple times go up two to nothing, lose. You know, Atlanta United. Uh, I forget if that was the game. One of the games, you know, they were up. DC United. They they left something to go. Uh, yeah, I guess Atlanta. They got up and then lost. So it's one of those things where. You know, Columbus, especially in the Cincinnati game, they played pretty mediocrely in the first half. And it's just at this point, you have to put 90 minutes together, because if you if you lose, you know, if you drop, you know, a couple games and maybe turn a draw into a loss, you lose five points. That's very much there's there's a decent possibility that that could be the difference between being a four seed and hosting a first round game or being out of the playoffs completely. Shimmy, shimmy, yeah. Give Ghostface Killer Argosa with plum the mic so it can take it away. Aromatics of fresh plum, light grape candy, and hints of lemon lime blend with mouthwatering acidity to blunt to round out a sublime beverage for hot days. The real question is, is Ghost Ghostface Killer something I want to fuck with? Keep wanting to say Ghostface. I don't know why. Yeah, kind of. I, I don't know why that would be. Uh, once again, named after, potentially, uh, Ghostface Killer of Wu-Tang Clan. So, Wu-Tang Clan, definitely not something to fuck with. No. Uh. For the kids, though. Oh, always for the kids. Um, the can, fantastic. It's got the, like, a Grim Reaper or something on it, like a Grim Reaper ninja on it. Uh, the G in Ghostface on the front kind of looks like the Wu-Tang symbol. Yep. I mean, just a very well done. I mean, the art on all of these street side cans is just fantastic. But this one, I mean, these cans popped out to me right away. Yeah, if you ever see a can with colorful, you know, kind of cartoon, sometimes cartoon work, you know, very bold design, odds are it, it, there's a good chance it'll be a street side uh, can because, I mean, they just have... And it's kind of amazing how many they have out there. Yeah. Uh, I feel like anytime, you know, I'm stopping in, whether it's to get beer for myself for the weekend or for the show, almost every place you go to, there is a good collection of different street side cans that you've never seen before. Oh, I saw like, I mean, I saw like 10. I, yeah. I was between like three or four of them. Yeah. And I mean, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, very unique tap room uh, that will definitely provide you with different experience uh, with some non-traditional beers and the designs on the can are about the same really speak for the beer uh, and great uh, as greatly recited here great descriptions on the back and uh, you can catch uh, more of their beers and designs uh, read more about them at streetsidebrewery.com uh, the beer may re-ferment Oh, yeah. So that's, that's an keep cold, one. Yeah. drink fresh, beer may re-ferment, which I did not realize. Did you know that Ghost of Beers are at least a thousand years old? Uh, like the, the Ghost, Ghost Lar. Ghost Lar? It's itself was Ghost founded Lar? in the 10th century after uh, silver deposits were discovered close by. So it's the Ghost District in East Germany. 
survived in Leipzig. So Leipzig brewers in the 1700s started making their own uh, batches. So sometimes if it if it reheats up, it'll ferment again. And I don't know what will happen there. I don't yeah, know. I'm watch, guessing that's bad. But. Yeah, watch yourself. Keep your keep your head on a swivel there. Uh, so if you're if you're drinking cold, keep it cold. Drink right away, but be sure to enjoy Ghost of Face Killer. College football is back. Thank God. College football is back this weekend. Gotten a little bit of a teaser. Got, you know, a couple weeks for high school to get rolling. College is back this week. NFL just a few short weeks away. But it's a big week one. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, in the past, in the last couple of years, you know, you've gotten some some big games. Um, One of the first, I mean, you know, out of the couple big games in Ohio, one of the first big ones in that big 330 window the 23rd ranked Cincinnati Bearcats go to Arkansas, face the Razorbacks. Uh, right now, Arkansas, uh, six point favorites, over under is 52. Uh, of course, last year, Cincinnati uh, finished 13 and 0, uh, then ended up losing in the college football playoff to Alabama. Uh, Arkansas finished 9 and 4, beating Penn State in a New Year's Six Bowl, uh, won five of their last six with their only loss also being to Alabama. Uh, Pretty tough test for the Bearcats. You know, the last couple of years, they've had some difficult tests like, uh, you know, Indiana and Notre Dame last year. But they at least, you know, last year they kind of had the warm-up game uh, against Miami. Uh, This time, jumping straight into it, uh, a little bit difficult. Uh, You know, not sure who the starting quarterback is going to be. Uh, Haven't heard between, you know, Transfer slash not transfer Ben Bryant, who's back with the program uh, as a senior, super senior, or whatever. Um, and redshirt sophomore Evan Prater from Wyoming, uh, from Wyoming High School. So between that, also, you know, a whole lot to cover. I mean, Jerome Ford gone, uh, you know, several players on the defense gone, including uh, certain someone who got his own Buffalo Wild Wing sauce, the sauce sauce. The sauce sauce. Don't you just think you would call it the sauce? The sauce, yeah. I don't know. Or so, I don't know. Uh, Ahmad, if those of you that uh, didn't hear it, uh, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, of course, the uh, the All-American cornerback from Cincinnati last year who went top five, was named a starter by the Jets, and then about five minutes later dropped that he was teaming up with Buffalo Wild Wings, no free ads, to uh, make his own sauce sauce. So it's called the sauce sauce, not quite the sauce. But anyways, Bearcats have a lot to uh, come back from. Uh, Arkansas, you know, obviously an SEC team, uh, certainly had a lot of talent, you know, returning some, some good players from, uh, last year, uh, KJ Jefferson coming back. So what are your thoughts going into this game, Josh? You know, definitely as far as the season where you want to test from the, from the word go, I don't know if this is exactly the year. You know, maybe if we would have gotten a, uh, a Kennesaw State and a Miami before we have to go to Arkansas, that would have been a little bit better. But uh, we're jumping right into it. Yeah, we sure are. Uh, and, the, the you know, the biggest thing I think you worry about is that 
you know, you lost 35 seniors, uh, nine guys to the NFL that are doing outstanding so far. Uh, you know, that's a lot of veteran leadership gone. That's a lot of just presence in the locker room in practice that is was so beneficial before, so crucial before the backbone of the team gone. And so you wonder who's going to step up into those things, into those roles and everything. Who's going to set the tone? Who's going to set the culture? How's it going to be for some of these guys going into, you better believe it, a packed house SEC week one? Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the top guys. You got, you know, uh, top tackler from last year, Joel DeBlanco uh, with Seattle. Um, my Jay Sanders, uh, you know, one of the top. Him and Curtis Brooks, uh, gone. Uh, Sauce Gardner, you know, gone with the Jets. Uh, you know, on the offensive side, as we mentioned, Desmond Ritter, who threw uh, 387 of the uh, 400 passes by uh, Bearcat quarterback last year. Uh, the two leading rushers in Jerome Ford and Desmond Ritter. Uh, top wide receiver, Alec Pierce. So a whole lot to uh, kind of unpack, but... The one thing that, you know, Coach Coach Fickle has always kind of mentioned is is trying to build a program. And, you know, I'm interested to see how ready Arkansas is going to be for this because I think it's a, their team that is built well, built to turn over. You know, they have a defensive backbone. They have a defensive identity. There are certainly some guys, you know, Jaheim Thomas, Javon Hicks and whatnot that have been around on defense. Uh, still some playmakers, Ryan Montgomery, obviously an SEC running back and Corey Kiner coming over, uh, two capable quarterbacks. You know, this is a, this is a, this is a one possession game. I mean, even the spread yeah. says it. I think a lot of people, you know, even ranking them 23rd right now, think they're kind of a flash in the pan than a, than a continued success story. And I don't think Luke Fickle is going to be having any of that. No, and I think you have, I think people discredit the amount of talent and the track record of development in Clifton. I mean, you look at the development, some of these guys had, um, you know, some of these guys drafted like uh, Beavers, who's unfortunately had the torn ACL and be out for the season for the New York Giants. I mean, he was what, a two or a three star? Is he yeah, I think, yeah I think was, he was, uh, I think he was a, Two star, two star, maybe. yeah. Like I mean, you you've got guys. These aren't, you know, anyone can come in and get you know the four or five star guys send them th- to the NFL. Luke Fickle and his staff are developing these guys that are you know two three star guys and making them studs. You know, Beavers was set to be a starter. Sauce is obviously CB one for the Jets. Uh, yeah, Brian Cook just had a great game last preseason game for the Chiefs. Desmond Ritter obviously lighting it up. I. I don't know. Ritter might be the best quarterback from that class by the end of the season. We'll see what kind yeah. of playing time get guys and how things shake out for guys. Um, I mean, Jerome Ford is is making the brand. Yeah. You know, he's making oh, yeah. Brad, the Browns talk about who they're. You know, possibly. You know, if they get rid of the uh, Hunt or um, or Darius Johnson, him rolling up into that role. And they've even talked about. You know, a lot of these guys have said, "Oh, I thought he could do this, but I didn't know." You know, Jerome Ford. They're like, "I didn't know he was a pass catching back too," and he's been doing that really well for the Browns. So. I but, think that's it. I mean, I think that's really important. Well, and you look on so you look on the defensive side. Like, let's not forget, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, like uh, Hicks have been there for a while now. They they want to be the next Sauce Gardner. They want to be that so bad. That's why you got guys like uh, Jean Keys Hardaway, 
who, I mean, they've raved about at Camp Higher Ground and coming in as a freshman and everything, competing with Hicks and uh, some of these guys back there, you know, they have the talent and the development and it's competition everywhere. Yeah. Competition in the locker room is great. And that's what fickle wants. You know, that's what separates, you know, being you from, you know, he talks about it all the time, the top 10 team and the difference between that and a top 10 program, having the competition and everything, you know, all these questions that were like, who's going to fill this spot, Ben Bryan or Evan Prater, you know, these are great problems to have because you got competitors in there that want that spot. They want to be the next sauce Gardner the next Desmond Ritter, what have you. So I think they've got the talent to rise up. I think the greatest thing that you're going to see in this matchup is both teams' wide receiver cores. A lot of studs, a lot of height, a lot of build on both sides of the ball there. You can see a lot of explosive plays down the sideline, I think. And I I think also, you know, you kind of look from both sides. I mean, Cincinnati is obviously the team you're talking about because obviously they've, they've lost so much. But... Cincinnati is a team that's built a little bit more than Arkansas. And I know Arkansas is an SEC team, but, you know, they were in the pits for, I mean, not to go off Sam Pittman, but they were definitely in the pits for a while. You know, uh, before this nine and four season, they were three and seven the year before, two and 10 the year before. You know, they had a number of one and 11 seasons. And even last year, you know, they still went through some growing pains of of their own. You know, I mean, losing to Georgia, Ole Miss and, and Auburn, you know, and Alabama aren't exactly slouches, but, you know, you get shut out 37 to nothing against Georgia. You lose 52-51 against Ole Miss. So they've been shown that, you know, some teams were able to score points on them. Some people, you know, some teams were able to hold them down a little bit. So I think they are a team that you can take it, you know, you can find some holes in. Oh, I, yeah. don't think, I don't think they're a... Uh, they're an invulnerable team. Well, and now on the flip side of that, just to give everyone an idea of what they're saying on the uh, hog casts down there, none of them use that term. Very disappointing. Uh, but I was listening to uh, Hog Sports Live today. It's a 24-7 sports podcast hosted by Trey Biddy. It was like listening to sports in a little old white church, man. Really? Just, yeah, just that's a, very, be a... a very pleasant listen. Oh, very really? Nice. Man. Yeah. Uh, but good and, and honestly a great insight into this week's matchup too. But I listened to that one and a couple other ones briefly. You, I get the sense that down there, a lot of people get, uh, you know, have the feeling that this is Arkansas's most complete team that they've had in a couple years. Yeah. Um, every, you know, everything's really well-rounded on both defense and Sam Pittman's and a great coach. Oh yeah. I mean, he's a great motivator. He's definitely a guy that, that you expect to see on the up and up at Arkansas. I mean, they're, you know, they're the 19th ranked team in the nation. They're but definitely no slouch. I think why you have the low spread here, the six point spread is because you have uh, a lot of great returning pieces in the trenches on, for both teams. You have great wide receiver depth and talent on both teams uh, you certainly have uh, cannons of arms on both teams, depending on who the Bearcats go with, which it sounds like, you know, I get the feeling around listening to Cincinnati podcasts and reading stuff that it will be Ben Bryant. We'll see. But yeah, two cannons of arms going in there. I think the question is who can get their running games going first, who can get the, you know, play action working because that's where the explosiveness will come out of who will win the trenches and be able to open up and stretch the other team's defense more hit that explosive play uh 
that, you know, that could be the one that wins the game that we're talking. This is a one possession game here. Yeah, so we'll we'll get to our picks in our social only uh, segment of who you got, but um, at thirty rack of sports on Twitter, on I, Instagram, and I, on TikTok. I guess before we move on to uh, another big game in Ohio, what do you think are your your keys to the game, real quick that that are going to change it one way or another? Uh, for the Bearcats, I do think it's I think the key to this game is opening up the running game first. Handle the moment. You know, I think a lot of these guys, you know, they went to Indiana last year. They went to Notre Dame. Let's not forget that it was very easy to see the green. And, you know, you can say that this doesn't matter environment wise, but, you know, you walk out there in Notre Dame Stadium and you see it split green and red like it was, or at least that much red. Very easy to see. You're going to be drowned out down there. And it's going to be for some of these guys, the loudest thing they've ever played. And so handle the moment Two got to get the running game going i think charles mcclelland you know they've said great things about him i was a little worried him coming back after two acl injuries now but they've said he's been great at camp very explosive at a workhorse too expects to carry a lot of the load but then you've also got Corey kiner so i think getting those guys in the mix and getting those guys going early winning the trenches will be huge and then i don't know we'll see we'll see how this secondary stacks up with the uh, arkansas wide receiver room yeah, I, I think I'm going to echo the the same, you know, be ready for the moment. Um, you know, especially the Notre Dame game, they, they started out pretty quick, but, I, you know, the Indiana game, they fell behind a little too quick. Uh, you know, the first couple of series were kind of discombobulated. Uh, you know, you saw some some lapses, in, obviously, in the Alabama game that, that kind of put them in a hole that they couldn't come back from. And I think it's one of those games that if you put yourself in too much of a hole, uh, you're not going to be able to come back. And then I think I do think the the spark plays are going to be huge. I think Arkansas, you know, Jefferson's a great quarterback. I think he'll make some big plays. Uh, you know, my big worry about Ben Bryant is he's a solid guy with a solid arm, but he's almost kind of like that. Uh, he's almost kind of like that game manager Teddy Bridgewater kind of thing, where he'll get, he'll make the throws and he'll keep you in a game, but he's not really that spark guy and. You know, yeah. as someone that has seen some Evan Prater plays, I, w- I would love to see him in. But, you know, with some of the uh, transfers that they've gotten in, you know, Kiner and whatnot, and some of the guys in the wide receiver room, maybe they can help to make some plays. Because I think if they fall behind and they can't make the plays, you know, this will be a game where you're trying to play catch up and, you know, time runs out and you're still down by 14 or 10. Yep. Yep. So. That'll be the 330 game, number 23, Cincinnati. Six-point dogs to number 19, Arkansas. At 730, college game day is bringing some random rapper to pick the game. Yes, of course. Uh, big Ohio State fan, and by that I mean a guy from Louisville, Jack Harlow. I don't know what the obsession with that guy is, but uh, we got Ohio State, Notre Dame, the big nightcap, 730 at Ohio Stadium, Marcus Freeman and the Irish going up against Ryan Day and the Buckeyes, 17 and a half point spread, Greg. What do you make of that? What yeah, do you, I was. You, what I do you was. Make of that it seems high. I was super surprised to hear that. I mean, over under fifty eight and a half. Right now, if you're going money line, you know Buckeyes minus eight hundred, uh, Irish uh, plus five fifty. Obviously, uh, a ton of talent returning for the Buckeyes. 
Uh, CJ Stroud, who uh, I guess him and Bryce Young are the two Heisman favorites coming into it. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who balled out in that Rose Bowl game. You know, uh, a huge returner, Marvin Harrison Jr. there. Travion Henderson, who had a huge year last year for Ohio State, uh, coming back. Obviously, a, a bitter taste for, you know, the Buckeyes last year. Um, did beat Utah in kind of a weird Rose Bowl game where neither team wanted to play defense. Uh, but, you know, missed out on the college football playoff. Uh, obviously, the loss to Michigan. Notre Dame just on the outside looking in to the college football playoff. Probably that loss to Cincinnati would cost them. Uh, ended up in a New Year's Six Bowl against Oklahoma State. Loses their coach, Brian Kelly, right before a New Year's Six game. Who would have guessed? Uh, Marcus Freeman, you know, leads them. They're in great shape and blow a huge lead against Oklahoma State. Uh, so, you know, two teams coming back with something to prove. Obviously, Freeman, his first year, uh, have been some talking points on both sides. Obviously, Freeman had some fodder talking about academics. Uh, I know he wanted to mention to his team that they're 17 and a half point dogs. He was very surprised to hear that. I mean, looking at this game, obviously a huge game. First game of the year for both teams. Uh, five versus two matchup in Ohio State. Is 17 and a half too high, Josh? I sure think it is. Uh, maybe not by a lot. I don't know. I, I was thinking more of, you know, one and a half to two possession game. Maybe, maybe the 10, 10 and a half area. I think what makes it interesting to me is Marcus Freeman, I think will be defensively prepared for this. I, you know, just having watched his defenses before and the way they've handled teams in an environment like this. I mean, the way a Cincinnati Bearcats defense has gone up to Ohio state and at least held their own because of the defense in the first half. I, I think, you know, say what you will about a new coach in that environment and everything. I think they'll be prepared. Uh, and I would take them, you know, we'll get to our picks and later and everything, but I think I'd take them to cover that spread. It just seems like a, a lot of points. And I believe total is 58 and a half, 59. Yeah. Yeah. We're I mean, I'm seeing 58 and a half. Uh, you know, some of it is probably, it'll move a little bit. As we mentioned, I think it's went from 17 to 17 and a half in the last day. And it, it jumped up. A whole bunch uh, beforehand. I on, mean, on the other, on the flip, on the flip side of that, though, I think Ohio State defense, Ohio State's defense has uh, improved dramatically. Yeah, especially Jim, Jim especially Knowles coming over from uh, oh. from Oklahoma State. I think that was the big issue. I mean, you even saw it in the Utah game uh, a lot of holes. Obviously. The Oregon game, uh, the play action killed them in that first game that they lost. The Michigan game, they got, you know, ran over. Uh, obviously, Kerry Coombs leaves, uh, some defensive shakeups. Jim Knowles gets hired from Oklahoma State, uh, who is running, you know, the best, I mean, the best defense in a very offensive league. So it will be interesting to see how he plays against, you know, uh, Notre Dame and everything. Notre Dame, you know, does have some um, some talented players on both sides. You know, a new quarterback, but uh, some tight ends that can play. Yeah, and I guess if uh, that's what that's why I, I hesit, hesitate to you know take Notre Dame. Michael straight Michael up. Mayer, that's his. So Michael oh, Mayer yeah. playing. Um, Tyler 
Uh, Buckner, who got a little bit of time last year, uh, he'll be in. Uh, you know, uh, Davis Sherwood is a very good, um, you know, uh, or sorry, Chris Tyree's very good uh, running back. Uh, so Drew Pine, who we saw against Cincinnati, actually taking the backup role. So certainly some some good players. Uh, a lot of seniors on that uh, Notre Dame defense. So certainly someone that can keep, you know, can keep up with this Ohio State offense. But I think you're right that the bigger matchup is going to be a Notre Dame offense with some turnover, Jack Cohn gone yeah. against an Ohio State defense that has to get better after a tough year at times last year. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Buckeyes defense to hold strong at home week one against uh, I wonder you know yeah we saw Buckner a little bit last year but I wonder how he handles that environment and everything week one and I can say the same thing for CJ Stroud a little bit but more of a not handling the moment but more some week one lapses in judgment more so against like you said a defense with a lot of seniors on it let's not forget that video of when Marcus Freeman got introduced those dudes were excited because those dudes were his defense they're going to be ready to go yeah and I you know I know it's Stroud's first start. You know, it's different when it's your first start overall. Uh, struggled a little bit against Minnesota in that first game last exactly. year. So you'll be interesting to see how ready he is. And then also, you know, the weight of expectations. He was, you know, he was thought to be the guy to to follow the guy in Justin Fields. But now he's thought of to be, you know, the expectations for Ohio State are really nothing less than 13-0 and in a college football playoff berth. So, you know, at what point, if something goes wrong early, is it going to be forcing? Is it going to be staying with your game plan? And, you know, how much is he going to try to make plays happen instead of have the game come to him? Right. And, uh, you know, I think both teams are going to have some plays in their pocket for not necessarily some trickery, but get that explosive play like we were talking about in Cincinnati, Arkansas. And I think in this game, you might try and you might see that early. If you can go out there and run your first scripted drive well and maybe try something, get you up early. I think both teams will try and get up early, you know, because I think after that will be a defensive game. Yeah, I think, the, I think the big thing is for Ohio State is I think if you can get a couple early touchdowns, have to make us, you know, a sophomore that hasn't really started, have to make big plays down the field. Uh, you know, obviously the strength is kind of in that running game and tight end game for Notre Dame. So if he's having to throw the ball down the field pretty far to try to get, it could get out of hand real quick. But if Notre Dame can get the lead, you know, keep some things together, it could be tough for Ohio State. I'm still thinking Ohio State wins pretty handily, but I think 17 is almost to the point where there could be some backdoor action. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. That just seems like a lot of points for week one. I don't think, you know, I'm not saying Ohio State's going to lose and everything. I got high expectations for Ohio State this year. And I know if Zach was here, he'd be throwing down everything, domination from Ohio State. Stroud's going to go up there and light it up. Even a 31-14 game doesn't cover this. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. And, and yeah, I, I, you know, I really don't think it'll be that high scoring. You know, like we'll get to the picks uh, again, social media at 30 Rack of Sports. That uh, that's a lot of points on everything right there uh, for week one, Notre Dame at Ohio State. Uh, so to just uh, clean up the rest of the college football slate, uh, week one actually starting 
Yeah, it's crazy, man. In you know what? Where are we gonna start? Akron. Yeah, not quite the rubber bowl anymore, but the rubber bowl. Akron, Ohio. If that doesn't get you know every all football should kick off in Akron or Canton, really. So, I mean, Akron and Toledo get you started on Thursday. Both playing some FCS opponents, uh, St. Francis and and Long Island University. Uh, Obviously, Saturday. A huge day across the the slate. Uh, I would love to watch Bowling Green UCLA, but apparently it's only on the Pac-12 network. Uh, obviously, Cincinnati, Arkansas. The whole what? The Pac-12 network. And then a huge game for some local implications. The Red Hawks going to Kentucky. Ooh. So, uh, 7 o'clock game. As you're getting ready for that, uh, that Ohio State kickoff, maybe... Uh, Flip on the uh, Get a little local the Red Hawks for a little bit. Yeah. And then the nightcap, Kent State going sailgating against Washington. So big weekend, uh, college football on Thursday through Monday. You even get Florida State LSU on Sunday and so Clemson beautiful. Georgia Tech on Monday as we get ready for the week ahead. So beautiful. All right, we're going to wrap up as we normally do with our shout-outs. want to thank you again so much for listening to 30 Rack of Sports. I know we've said it a couple times, so we're, we're, we're getting on schedule, but now football is back. We're back. We're healthy. We'll have to pick up Zach on his tricycle next time to get him back, but he will be back spitting the takes, going over week one for college football, getting you ready for week one of the NFL. We are less than two weeks away. From Baker Mayfield welcoming the Browns and the Bengals welcoming Trubisk, pick, Trubisk. Ma- Mason Rudolph and yeah, the Pittsburgh oh, yeah, Steelers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. What a bunch to, of uh, to 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 pay Joe Burrow Money Stadium. Yep, that's right. No free ads. Uh, no free ads. Certainly not for them. No, certainly not. No, no. no. We'll call it pay Joe Burrow Money yeah. Stadium. That's fine. Pay Joe Stadium. Um. So. We'll be ready to go for all of that next week. Hopefully some happy faces with a Bearcat and oh, yeah. Buckeye win. Uh, Want to give our first shout out, stay in Cincinnati, to uh, Streetside Brewing. Uh, on the East Coast, they're Ghostface Killa, Gosa with Plum. Once again, if you... I was a little bit worried about the Plum. Refreshing. Like, it's just an honestly yeah. refreshing, oh, yeah. enjoying beer. It was beer. a great beer. I, I did not expect to like this so much. And it, it's might maybe the first like Gosa and first plum flavored thing that I would actually go out and pick up. Honestly, if you're stopping by uh street side, maybe to watch a little bit of college football this weekend, try one of these because it'll be nice. You could sip a couple while enjoying football and not feel, you know, not feel too over yeah. over served or anything. I mean, it's nice and light and enjoyable. Uh, I also want to give a shout out, of course, to our fans of 30 rack sports thank you so much for listening uh we're gonna end the show as we do with our personal shout outs josh who are you shouting out greg i'm shouting out hawaii uh not the state of hawaii but the hawaii little league team the west region get Got beat by vanderbilt oh that, not that uh, hawaii. Uh, not that hawaii no uh not the rainbow warriors uh the hawaii little league baseball team outscored opponents 60 to 5 in the little league world series tournament and uh they are the little league World champions this year. Shout out to the guys for uh, pouring it on and getting the getting the hardware. What oh. was it? Sixty to five. Outscored opponents sixty 
to five. Only allowed five runs all tournament. I mean, that's good. And I think we, that's hard in Little League. And like run ruled, like, I mean, run ruled them in the championship. No one was stopping yeah. this Hawaii team. So, uh, my, my two, I mean, my first one is football because thank God football's football. back. Uh, my second one is, uh, I mean, look, in Ohio, people root for different teams. There are, you know, Bearcat fans, Buckeye fans, Zip fans, Bengal fans, Browns fans, some people that are fans of random teams like the Green Bay Packers. But I think we all know who Ohio's football team is. Uh, shout out to Bishop Sycamore. If anyone forgets them, uh, they played a couple years back. They got on ESPN against IMG Academy, basically a fake high school that had uh, full-grown adults on the team, lost to IMG 49 to nothing, played two games in three days. They are getting an HBO special now called BS High. So thank goodness, Ohio High School Football, finally getting the shine. Great Wait, name. Man. Great name. And I saw, I watched the little teaser they did for it where the guy that was, you know, one of the guys behind the whole Bishop yeah, Sycamore like the thing. Coach yeah, like the coach or the yeah, dean. He was like, he was like, and you think I'm a con artist? It's like... But yes, I do, and I'm very, I'm very, very curious as to uh, what you have to say on this show <laughs> with that comment. It'll be a good one. And you know what, people should be very curious. See how excited we are next week. Also, we're not forgetting. Josh and I both have some bets to pay up. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we will we'll have those this. soon. I have a a forty malt liquor. Josh has a couple uh, shots of Malort. Uh, we want to get the full crew here for that. So uh, we're not backing out. We're ready to go. There we will might be... even be putting it together a little special show for this. Yeah, maybe a little bit of futures. Many bets. Uh, but the one thing is, we'll have those bets. We'll have plenty more bets to come. Maybe a little. Uh, we'll have to find a good Halloween bet for a little Monday Night Football. Oh, yeah. So uh, we'll have that and a whole lot more. So thank you for listening to another edition of Thirty Rack of Sports for Josh on the ones and twos. Go Bearcats. For Zach on the opinions. I'm a big Michigan fan. I'm Greg. Thank you so much for listening to 30 Rack of Sports. Peace.